Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to the Beyond Gender Podcast. The place for transgender and gender variant stories and news. We're your hosts, Caleb Arring and Dorian Rendon. Join us every other week as we interview people about their experiences with trans identity and gender variants. And be sure to give us your feedback on Twitter at Beyond Gender Pod. On Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beyondgenderpod or email us beyondgenderpod at gmail.com. And check out our website, www.beyondgenderpod.com, for resources and more info about us and the show. And if you love the show, give us five stars on iTunes. Feel free to share, comment, or get in touch with us, even to be a guest if you'd like. Thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Gender podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Arring. We are back for another awesome episode. If you tuned into our last episode, we had part one of two. So today is part two. I interviewed Ilarius where we spoke about, uh, last week we spoke about their um, being a gender. And this week we're going to talk about their being a romantic and asexual. Uh, so that's going to be a really, really great conversation. We have got that coming up in just a bit. Uh, also, if you tuned in on our last episode, I think I mentioned that I was actually on my way out of town uh, during that episode. Uh, the last two weeks I have been in Florida, which has, it was just absolutely awesome, which I don't know if that's something people say about Florida a lot or not. Um, but it was, it was a great time. It was surprisingly cold when we got there. They had a, an unexpected cold front. But um, the first week that uh, my partner and I were in Florida, we went to, uh, we were in Orlando and we went to Disney World and Universal Studios, including uh, Harry Potter Land. Um, and so it was just absolutely amazing it was like the best possible week to be at an amusement park um by amusement park standards they were pretty empty we didn't stand in very many lines um and 
it was so much fun. Um, Disney World was amazing. The fireworks show that they put on um, for the holidays was super, super awesome. Um, and there's four there are four parks that are part of Disney World, and we went to all of them, and it was so cool. Um, at one of the parks, they have a whole Toy Story land, and I'm a huge Toy Story fan. Actually, our whole bathroom is like toy story decor um so that was a blast the whole place is just like set up like a i don't know it's just like toy story but uh, you know all these little characters from the show are huge and yeah that was an absolute blast um and we went on a lot of uh fun rides and saw a lot of fun shows and just had a really epic time at Disney World. Um, and then we also went to Universal Studios. Um, we had passes to both the parks at Universal Studios. There's um, like uh, Hogsmeade and Hogwarts is in one of the parks. And then in the other park is uh, Diagon Alley. And the shuttle, if you want to call it that, that goes between the two parks is actually a train. It's the... Um, the Hogwarts Express. Um, and so that in itself is like another ride that you get to ride in between the parks. Um, so that was, uh, it was just amazing. It's just so many of the things there. It's just like you're walking in the movie, like you're part of the movie. Um, it was so cool. Um, we, we went to Ollivander's and got fitted for our first ones um we rode on a lot of rides there you know one of them goes through hogwarts and um they have gringotts bank there which is so cool and the fire breathes out dragon uh, the dragon breathes out fire rather i think like every 15 minutes or so and we got to see that a few times while we were actually outside while I was doing it um it's just like everything from the movie is brought to life and i'm a huge huge harry potter fan um so that was that was just so cool and the crazy thing is like harry potter land isn't even the only thing at universal studios there was a ton of other stuff um yeah, there was a ton of other stuff that we saw. They have, like, a Simpsons land. Um, oh, what else? There, uh, oh, um, there were a bunch of Minions. They have a whole ride, in, including the Minions. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and then one thing that they had there was Fear Factor Live. And I, I, I heard somewhere that Fear Factor is still on the air, but I, I don't know how many people still watch it. It was kind of popular like quite a while ago probably like 10 or 15 years ago and it's like you do all these crazy stunts and people eat like some nasty stuff um and yeah and so they do a version of it at universal studios it's live you can do either the physical part or the part where you like eat nasty stuff or let them put like snakes or scorpions on your head um so my partner and i signed up to do the physical uh part and we were able to do it because there were so few people during that that particular week i guess is one of the lowest weeks for amusement parks so there were so few people we uh easily got on the live show um and it was awesome i actually won the whole show there was five of us competing and you start by like holding on to these um 
handlebars that are like 35 feet in the air. Um, and I held on the longest to that. And then after that, there's this, um, competition where you have to like pull out these bean bags that are in a, an aquarium with a bunch of eels. And that, (laughs) that freaked me out a lot. Every time an eel like brushed up against my hand, it totally freaked me out. Um, and then you have to, um, uh, catch like octopus in a bucket, um, which was weird and not my favorite. Um, and then uh, that, that part is done in two teams. Um, and I got to pick my teammate because I won the first part. Uh, and so me and my teammate advanced through, uh, to the second round or the last round, rather, that was the second round. We made it through the last round and the last round, uh, you're against each other again. Um, you have to climb a ladder on the side of a wall and like climb over these window seals to to pull down uh, these flags that are there and then um, grab a final flag over there that has a key on it. And then you ride down this pole and jump into a, a car that you turn on with the key. And then the car gets lifted like 25 feet in the air. And once it's at its top height, you have to jump over um, the windshield and uh pull these flags off of the end of the front of the car without falling off of the car and then like launch this rocket launcher at a target um and whoever hits the target first with the rocket launcher wins and i won by like it was i think it was pretty close i won by like a couple seconds maybe it was it was so much fun it was so awesome um so i'll see if maybe i can post a picture of that in the notes um but that was a blast and uh and like that week by itself would have been just an absolutely amazing incredible awesome vacation and then uh we drove down to uh, west palm beach from there a couple hours away uh for tony robbins date with destiny uh, if you listen to the show before if you listen to it regularly uh you know i'm a tony robbins fan and i think on the last episode i mentioned that I would be going there. Um, if you've watched the Netflix uh, special on Tony Robbins called I'm Not Your Guru, um, that documentary is based on the Date with Destiny event because um, he does a lot of different events, but it's based on specifically Date with Destiny. Um, and that was six days. It was amazing. Um, it's hard to really put it into words. Um, and explain it in like a couple of minutes on the opening of the podcast that's already gone really long. Um, but it was absolutely incredible. It was six days. It was like 15 plus hour days, um, with, uh, I think it was about 4,500 people there. Um, and it was just absolutely incredible. Um, it's really about, um, kind of finding, finding your destiny, finding your, your purpose in life and really like looking at what values, what beliefs, um, what rules are you living your life by? And is that serving you? Is it serving you? Is it um, making you happy? Is it making you feel fulfilled? And if it's not, how can you shift them and change them and integrate new values and rules into your life that will ultimately have you feeling fulfilled um so that was it was just like i said it's it's hard to put it into words and especially 
to boil it down into uh, just a few minutes. Um, but it was incredible. I met some really, really amazing and incredible people. Um, and I'm just super excited to um, continue to put a lot of uh, what I learned there and what I took away from that experience into action um, in everything that I do. Uh, and so this has gone on a lot longer than our intros usually do. So I want to wrap it up. Um, we've got a super episode lined up for you. Like I said, um, last week or last episode was part one. This episode is part two of my interview with Elarius. We will jump into that um, in just a moment. We don't have news for you today, but the news will be back in two weeks. And our episode in two weeks is going to be absolutely super, super, super exciting and amazing. I will be doing the news. Um, Dorian actually did the interview. Dorian did a live interview with Sophie LaBelle. Um, so that's super exciting. We, I love it when um, Dorian does the interviews. Uh, she does such great interviews with people. Um, and it's super exciting. We don't get to do face-to-face live interviews with people. Face-to-face is what I mean by live. But um, in this age, you know, we interview a lot of people who aren't in the same city as us. And so... Uh, almost all of the interviews uh, have not been face-to-face. So it's super exciting, and we'll have that for you in two weeks. Um, And after a uh, quick word from our sponsors, we are going to jump right into uh, today's interview. Today's episode of the Beyond Gender podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're the type of person who enjoys listening to podcasts, you're probably also the type of person who would love to listen to your books on audio. The best and easiest way to get audiobooks is through Audible. You can download them straight to your phone or listen to them over the cloud on your phone Listen to them on your computer and lots of other places. You can take them with you on the go, just like you do with your podcasts. Right now, Audible is giving a special deal to Beyond Gender listeners. If you sign up for an Audible membership, you can get your first book for free. And if you decide that you don't like Audible, you can always cancel. So you get one book for free just for being a Beyond Gender listener. And today, you can go get that by going to www.audibletrial.com slash beyond. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash beyond. Go start your free trial and get your first free book right now. Today, I'm going to recommend Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, um, I mean, as you all know, I love Tony Robbins. And if you've been listening to this episode, you know that I am on a, uh, I'm on a Tony Robbins high, I guess I'll call it right now. So Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. It was one of his first books. Um, and it is super awesome and life-changing and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. You can get a copy on Audible for free and just listen to it on your commute uh, at audibletrial.com slash beyond. That's audibletrial.com slash beyond. (laughs) 
All right. So... As I mentioned, today is part two of my interview with Ilarius, and it was actually, the interview was done in one sitting, um, and I felt like we had pretty much wrapped up the interview. We had really um, dove into Ilarius's uh, gender and talked about um, being a gender, and when I asked if there was anything else that they wanted to talk about, um, they mentioned uh, being asexual and aromantic and we really dove deep into that conversation and I found it really fascinating and really really valuable to get that conversation out there and make that part of what we're talking about in our community and that we're making sure that we're being open to the people in our community um, who are aromantic or are asexual and so I really uh I took the time to dive deep into it and decided to split it up into uh, two separate interviews because we got so deep into it and it really was like its own separate thing. Um, so what, we're going to dive right into that part of it. This uh, part of the interview, like I said, it was done all at once. So this is about halfway through the interview that we did last week. So we're just diving in um, right in the middle, right when we start uh, talking about being asexual and agender, uh, sorry, asexual and aromantic. And if you want to also hear about the interview that we did talking about being agender, uh, that was two weeks ago. It's our uh, most recent episode before this, so you can uh, check that out as well. And with that, I'm just going to dive right into where we left off in the interview. And then, you know, I'm just curious if there's anything else about about your life or any part of your identities that uh, you would want to share with us today? Honestly, I think um, the one thing I really, if I could take a moment to talk about is the asexuality. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know there's a surprising amount of um, people within the um, greater community that don't think asexuals belong in the community and I obviously disagree with that but I also wanted to, to share that I actually felt like a lot of my asexual identity was harder to accept than my transgender identity because we do live in such a world that expects sexual attraction and romanticizes it and you know really considers it to be not only normal, but abnormal if you don't experience it. To the point where I felt like being asexual came with more hatred and challenges from from the everyday interactions and created a lot of self-hatred within myself that I, I know a lot of, say, my lesbian friends had felt. You know, including people being like, well, you're just, you need to be fixed. You know, go, go have sex. You know, you, you just need to be fixed. And up and in, including to, I, I had a therapist who, when I was having troubles in one of my relationships, um, because I hadn't discovered I was a romantic yet, when she found out I was asexual, not only attributed it to the fact that I, I'm must have been sexually abused or something like that but then basically told me that even if I didn't want sex I should I should have sex anyway hmm. and that was traumatic that that felt like 
you know, she was basically telling me that, you know, my own sexual desires and experiences, you know, didn't matter and that I needed to be sexual or this relationship would fail. Um, and it felt like she was advocating rape. I'm going to be honest. It was, it was traumatic. It was terrible. And I really wish that the, the, the communities recognize the struggles that asexual people go through and that it really is, in a lot of ways, very parallel to, you know, their, their homosexual and transgender siblings. They get a lot of hatred and a lot of misunderstanding. And I feel like if we created awareness and a space for them here, we could help, we could help the world accept and understand that so that no other kid hopefully has to go through the self-hatred I did. What do you think that individuals within our community could do to help? I don't necessarily want to say solve this, but to help, I guess, be part of a, a solution. I think, I think one of the best things would just be fighting back against ace exclusionists. Um, it would be, you know, saying that, no, there is a place for you here. Um, your experiences are important and you do need, you know, you do deserve a safe space to share those experiences and to feel like you are safe from the bigotry. Because, you know, a lot of queer spaces, it really is about having a safe place to be yourself. And I, I feel really strongly that asexuals deserve that. And, you know, I really wish queer spaces would give that to them. So remembering that the A in, you know, the acronym is not for ally. It's for asexual, agender, and aromantic. And, you know, speaking up against people that don't feel like they belong there. I don't know that that'll fix anything, but I feel like creating a safe space for them is going to be a great step in the right direction because that's how we do spread awareness and support. Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on this a little bit, but... I would love to hear more as well about your experience just coming out to friends and family as asexual or aromantic. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Coming out to my friends as asexual was pretty um, easy. There was only one person that was like, but I always thought you were very sexual and you were even a sex worker like what's up and I remember going like okay here's what asexuality is here's what asexuality isn't and specifically the misunderstanding that asexuals can't enjoy or like sex or even um, masturbate or enjoy porn or whatever and the difference between having a sex drive and having sexual attraction You can have a high sex drive and no sexual attraction. You can have, you know, high sexual attraction, but no sex drive. I mean, they're completely unrelated. And I had to explain that to her and and, um, they got it eventually, but that one took a little while. The rest of my friends was actually kind of um, normal. They were like, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know. And 
probably the best one was actually coming out to my mom um, about being asexual because she listened to me and she was like, you know what? I think your dad might be asexual. Hmm. <laughs> and that, that got a chuckle out of me because I had always wondered and telling my mom about this thing that she'd never even heard of. She's suddenly like, wow, this makes a lot of sense about your dad. <laughs> so there may be even, you know, biological precedent in my family. So haven't been able to ask my dad. He's, he doesn't like to self-reflect. So I haven't even considered asking him, but my mom thinks so. Um, and as for a romantic, my mom um, doesn't quite get it. But, you know, it's like, all right, that's fine. Um, the hardest for that one was actually telling my ex, who I'd been in a long-time relationship with. It's actually the, the one I had even gone to couples counseling with that I've mentioned. Because we're still very good friends. And I just, you know, really realized that our relationship was turning toxic and it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling and it wasn't supportive and we didn't know how to fix that. So we, we broke it off and I was terrified to tell her because I was afraid that she would believe that I'd never loved her. And it was a very hard discussion to, to try and explain that I don't experience romantic attraction, but that doesn't mean I don't feel love. It's not romantic love per se, but that didn't mean that my love for all of the time that we'd been together was fake. And I, I don't know that she got it, but she was definitely in a place where she had been able to find peace in our breakup and was able to accept me but it is kind of hard to explain to people the differences between romantic love platonic love even a deeply non-platonic love that isn't romantic because i think a lot of people don't always experience that or at least don't analyze their experiences enough to realize that it's different so that's very it was very difficult to try and explain, and it was definitely the most difficult outing I'd had for that one. Um, otherwise, a lot of my friends, again, were like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, if you're opening to answering this, I'm curious, uh, you know, if, if you're out and... Um, you know, maybe you get hit on or somebody asks you out or something like that. How do you, what do you usually do in a situation like that? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so that's actually happened to me a couple of times recently. Um, and in fact, I'm hit on a lot more now than I was pre-transition, which surprises me because I was gorgeous. <laughs> like, not to toot my own horn, but I was performing fem femininity really well. <laughs> I... Um, but I think, you know, it, was, it probably has to do with the increase in comfort and, you know, confidence. But how that usually looks um, these, these days is when somebody expresses an interest, um, I let them know that, hey, I think you're really cool too. Cards on the table here. <laughs> um, 
I'm asexual and I'm aromantic. So if you did want to pursue anything, it would really look more like a platonic relationship. And a lot of them don't know what that is. So I then explain to them. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then I have to explain to them. Um, like, okay, so here's what I personally do enjoy and what I don't enjoy. And what, because, you know, even I mean, all queer platonic relationships are going to be different. Every single one. Um, as in, there are some asexuals that don't like sex at all completely. I'm not one of those. So then I have to be like, okay, look, this one's not off the table, but you have to understand that I'm never going to look at you and go, wow, I really want to bang you. That's just, it's not going to happen. Um, and I, I get a lot of actual curiosity and I've even had some people say that, okay, well maybe we could try that. I don't know what that would look like, but you know, I'm willing to. I, I very rarely ever had somebody go, oh, I guess not then. Um, so props to the people who've hit on me for actually being pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, well, I guess that kind of answers the next question. Is it okay that we explore this and I ask questions about this as oh, well? Absolutely. Yes, please. Um, so my next question was kind of, was going to be, you know, like, does, for you, does this mean like relationships are off? romantic relationships or sexual relationships are off the table period because you're not interested in them or you know what exactly does that mean yeah sure okay so for me personally um sexual relationships are not off the table um i actually have a friends with benefits um thank you to sauceron for uh, upping that sex drive (laughs) um because before that before HRT, I don't think I ever would have been that interested. Um, but after HRT, I've definitely <laughs> been a little bit more willing to engage sexually. Still don't experience any sexual attraction, but my, since my sex drive's higher, I do have sexual relationships. Um, romantic relationships, though, are 100% off the table. Like, nope, I do not want them. I do not want to explore them. I do not want to have them. For me, just the idea of, of having a romantic relationship is stressful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really come with, um, I, I feel like, a lot of pressure to perform things that I don't experience. So in my aromanticism, I don't experience, um, you know, that gushy, oh, I, I love you, I want to pamper you, I want to, you know cuddle together and talk about how much we love each other. Um, I do like to cuddle, but, you know, if somebody starts getting really mushy emotional about it, um, my feelers start to go up because I start to worry, is this going in that direction? Now, if it doesn't, and we've established it's platonic, it's a lot more comfortable for me, and I can be a lot more safe and open and okay, we can do this. But, you know, a lot of the things that I think romantic couples enjoy are things that I don't. I don't enjoy them. I don't find satisfaction in them. What would so, be an example of, of those, like, those sorts of things? Hmm. I, that's a good question. I'm going to have to try and think on this. 
Would uh, it be like like bringing home flowers or like those sorts of things, or were you thinking of something very different? No, yeah, it would be things like that. Um, I mean, because I don't mind doing that for my friends, just as a hey, surprise, you know, surprise gift. But I don't feel so. So one of the biggest problems with my previous relationship was dates. Um, they would want to go on dates, you know, have quiet time between us two where we'd go and just, you know, be out having a romantic dinner or something. And I, I always really despised that. I, I felt like, well, but we spend all day together. Why are we going <laughs> to, no, this is for real. We actually had a fight about this. It's like, but, or we could stay home and watch TV together like we always do, or play a video game together, or a card game together. Like, what's the difference of going out to the movies and, you know, watching a movie at a theater together? Like, if you want to go to the theater, cool, let me know, but why why are we making this some special, unique, just-for-us thing when we always do things for us? Um, and, and, and she really did try to explain it, and I, I remember... Um, uh, lamenting about this to one of my um, alloromantic friends and being like, I just don't understand. Um, and, and this was a, a cis man. I was like, just, I just don't understand it. And I, I was expecting him to be like, yeah, you know, women, right? But no, he, was like, <laughs> but he wasn't. He was like, well, because it's special. It's for you two. It's, and I, I remember him just being baffled at me and me being baffled at him just being like, what? <laughs> I don't get it. You know, I don't enjoy holding hands. I don't, I mean, I don't dislike it either, but I get nothing out of it. So, like, if you want to go to the movies and have a special evening, okay, I'm willing to do that for you, but I get nothing out of it. And I've realized it's because for me, my relationship with them felt no different than my friends. And another point of contention with my girlfriend had even been that she said, I feel like I'm just one of your friends. And me going, well, yeah, but I'm dating you, not them. So what's the difference? What's the problem? And her and I just not getting that there was a difference. There was a difference to her. There wasn't a difference to me. Yeah. I, I just, I guess I, I really don't experience relationships as anything other than deep friendships that maybe then we also live together. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really the best way I think I can explain it because I don't know how to explain this disconnect that other people seem to experience that I don't. And, you know, in this society that we're in, um, you know, much like how society expects that people are born a certain way, their body looks a certain way, and they grow up and and act according to that. You know, that's the expectation of society. I think very similarly, um, you touched on this, that the expectation of, of society is that people are, you know, feel sexual attraction and, you know, to some degree or another want to be in a relationship and so uh, how did you I guess come to this realization that even though the society expects this of everyone that that's not who you are and that you are asexual and aromantic 
So my discovery of asexuality was actually very young. Um, I I remember thinking to myself that these experiences that my friends were having um, as teenagers were something that I, I wasn't quite getting. So I figured, okay, well, maybe I'm a lesbian. Just like I said, I came out as queer to my mom um, as a teenager. But the problem with that is it fell along a very similar path that I'd been having with men, which was, well, but I still am not experiencing these things that other people claim to be experiencing. So I revisited the idea that maybe I was asexual again. And it probably wasn't until I was about 22 or 23 that I finally was like, no, I, I need to stop going back and forth on this because I don't want to be this person. I need to accept myself as I am. I, I really think I, I identified for the longest time as allosexual because I really did not want to be asexual. I thought asexuality was broken. I thought it was wrong. And so I really fought that identity for, for years and years. And I, it was with that girlfriend that I even was like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is who I am. And she did actually have an experience of feeling like, you know, so you don't find me attractive. And you'd be like, oh gosh, no, um, yes, but no, wait, crap, let's, let's try and talk this out. And that was, and that's why I, I think I really also had the struggle eventually coming out to her as a romantic because it did go so badly when I told her I was asexual. Um, the aromanticism wasn't something I discovered about myself, though, for like another four or five years after that. And that one, I think, came mostly to mind after my cis male friend came out as aromantic. And it was really after he, uh, yeah, our last friend, by the way, it was pretty hilarious, our one token non-queer in the group came out as aromantic. <laughs> the last holdout in our friend group. It's pretty funny. But it was after his, his, um, coming out that I think I really started to examine what that would mean. Um, I knew what a romantic was, but I had never really sat down and considered what that might feel like, what that might be like, what would an aromantic person feel or not feel or experience. And it was very quickly after that, that I started to realize, well, Actually, I think I can imagine this really freaking clearly because I think I am. And suddenly a lot of things I had been experiencing and struggles I'd been having in my relationships and, you know, just how I experienced the world in general really started to make sense. And that's why I really like having these labels and why I like sharing them, because for me, it added so much clarity to myself and now how I experience the world, that I feel like I can be a lot more confident and a lot more comfortable in this world that isn't set up for people like me because I know what my challenges are and my differences are. And so I can compensate for them or I can educate those around me. Um, I know now 
to not try and force myself back into relationships because it's what people are supposed to do because I did that for a long time and I am not happy that way. And it, it just, it really added so much peace to my life to, to discover all of these identities and, you know, just accept myself the way I am. That's wonderful. I love that. Um, and then um, one more follow-up question to that would be, um, you know, if we have listeners out there who think that they might be asexual or aromantic, what advice would you have for them? I, uh, I'm going to be honest, that that is something that is scary. And it, it, it can feel scary because a lot of people, before they are, are willing to admit it, or sometimes when they're just starting to admit it, they, they can really have this feeling of, I'm broken. I'm, something's wrong with me. And if somebody was listening to me now, I just would love to tell them, you're not. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You actually have a very beautiful, unique way of experiencing this world. I honestly love, now that I've accepted myself, I love being aromantic. I feel like it has created this place of peace in my life where I can just enjoy my friendships and relationships genuinely and I don't have this societal pressure of if I have a romantic partner that I'm supposed to treat them better, which is wrong anyway and shouldn't be the case even for romantics. But I especially, since I no longer have to navigate that, I'm really comfortable in just having multiple strong friendships that can all be considered equal and society doesn't look at me weird for that. It's very freeing. Same with asexuality. I, I honestly feel like I've been able to offer a safe space to a lot of people who feel like they're constantly, you know, sexually objectified. I can be the person that they can talk to and it's like, hey, guess what? I, I'm safe. I don't have these experiences. And so if you want some person that you can just talk to and vent you don't have to worry about an agenda or, you know, ulterior motives. Like, I guarantee you I don't have them because I never have them. And it's, it's just been, for me, a journey of going from feeling like I was broken and I was wrong to feeling like I was special and I have this unique place in society and in life that other people don't always get. And I really would urge them to, to explore that. It's scary. It's terrifying. Yes, people aren't going to understand. Your partner may not understand. It's awful. But the peace you can find from, you know, discovering yourself and being okay with yourself really opens up doors of finding a unique place within this world that doesn't always already have space for us. Because there is space for us. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. All right. Thank you so much for joining us again for this episode. 
It has been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, if you missed part one of this interview, you can catch that on our last episode. Uh, This was part two. Part one was about um, identifying as a gender. And like I mentioned earlier, we will be back in two weeks with Dorian's face-to-face interview with Sophie LaBelle. That is going to be absolutely amazing and exciting. I can't wait to air that for all of you. And when we're back in two weeks, we'll also have news for you and all the great things that you've come to expect from our podcast. Until then, have an amazing and wonderful two weeks. We'll talk to you soon. Today's episode of the Beyond Gender podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're the type of person who enjoys listening to podcasts, you're probably also the type of person who would love to listen to your books on audio. The best and easiest way to get audiobooks is through Audible. You can download them straight to your phone or listen to them over the cloud on your phone, listen to them on your computer, and lots of other places. You can take them with you on the go just like you do with your podcasts. Right now, Audible is giving a special deal to Beyond Gender listeners. If you sign up for an Audible membership, you can get your first book for free. And if you decide that you don't like Audible, you can always cancel. So you get one book for free just for being a Beyond Gender listener. And today, you can go get that by going to www.audible.com audibletrial.com slash beyond. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash beyond. Go start your free trial and get your first free book right now. Today I'm going to recommend Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Um, I mean, as you all know, I love Tony Robbins. And if you've been listening to this episode, you know that I am on a... uh, I'm on a Tony Robbins high, I guess I'll call it right now. So Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. It was one of his first books, um, and it is super awesome and life-changing, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. You can get a copy on Audible for free and just listen to it on your commute uh, at audibletrial.com slash beyond. That's audibletrial.com slash beyond. Thanks again for listening to another great episode of the Beyond Gender Podcast. We will be back here again in two weeks with another brand new story to tell. If you want to learn more about news or the people and projects we spoke about, check out beyondgenderpod.com as always. Give us your thoughts and feedback on Twitter at beyondgenderpod or Facebook, www.facebook.com slash beyondgenderpod. Or email us at beyondgenderpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Matt Van Horn for mixing and editing and Marissa McCool for producing. Broke for free for our music, and of course, Lux for our artwork. Dorian Brendan for news, production, and the occasional host slot. And our producer and host with the most, Caleb Arrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr